Hello and welcome to Affiliate, the CW podcast. Download our app to stay up to date with the latest labour and trade union news. Search for Affiliate CWU in your app store. At the time of recording this podcast, it's mid-December. And to me at least, as a Lancashire native who's often between London and back home for family, mates and work, it feels like these past few months have been nothing but a barrage of bad weather. Whether surrounded by the joy of the festive season or not, it's felt like drizzly weekend has followed drizzly weekend. Workday mornings have felt something like a cold wet slog on the way to the workplace, with both situations united by unreliable transport links and a complacent government letting the threat of Omicron hang in the air. And on these days, as we go about our lives, you can't help but notice the tents and the cardboard boxes residing silently on the unused shops on our emptied out high streets. The men and women, or boys and girls, who sit outside your workplace, stand under the bus stops, sit by the Tesco in all this weather, who've got no other option for anywhere else. In some areas like train archways or brownfield sites where future luxury properties, these people can converge in their hundreds. Some work while living on the streets, while others ended up there because they couldn't find a way into employment. Others still try and talk and ask for something from passers-by, while others stay silent, defeated. However different it may be, the fact is that these people have been thoroughly forgotten. This wasn't always the case. Under new labour, homelessness was not abolished, but there were serious attempts to reverse the dreadful situations that so many faced as a result of Thatcherism. Under Tony Blair, the government brought forward former senior figures in homelessness charities to work on policy solutions to these problems, taking into account the sort of people who often fall into homelessness, like former squaddies, ex-prisoners, people leaving the care system, young people fleeing abuse. Money was thrust into local government services to encourage the effective tackling of this problem, but this all collapsed with the onslaught of the 2008 economic crash. Within two years of the economic crisis, the Tories were back in power. Propped up by their Lib Dem friends, their interests began focusing more on things like tripling tuition fees, continuing the destruction of the NHS and enforcing austerity in public services. As such, it's no wonder that homelessness has gone up by over 250% since 2010. As he announced in his budget speech that we are all in this together, Chancellor George Osborne had his sights set firmly on Greater Manchester. He had intended that the region was going to be a guinea pig for austerity, a place where it was tried out first. After savagely cutting the budget of the local council, the city was left in a mess almost immediately. As the usual safety nets and traditional social services withered under the stress of funding cuts, people began slipping out of society en masse. As a result, homelessness soon became one of the most noticeable areas of the damage wrought by austerity. In 2014, only one council night shelter could operate in the whole of the area, and charities were at breaking point in terms of how they could help out. During this period, I was in my late teens and early 20s, and working in kitchens and bars around the city. And when I think back on this period, I can remember so many vivid conversations with people with nowhere to go. I remember people who worked as electricians by day, and who slept at night in car parks that were being built as the crisis hit, and never saw completion. And during those nights, you could come across people far worse off than that. I remember one stood outside of the Salisbury pub near Oxford Road Station, now famed for its appearance on the BBC's Ridley Road TV series. This man was amazed that my group of friends were bothering to engage him in a conversation, having not had one for weeks, and showed us photographs of his wife, who had frozen to death next to him a few months earlier. You think about these people a lot when you've met them. There was some opposition to what was going on, like a homeless person's camp under a central Manchester motorway bridge, we saw hundreds of homeless people coming to camp out every single night. However, this camp was the repeated target of the police and eventually 
those poor souls living there were forcibly dispersed. Their makeshift community quite literally binned and huge gates put around the land to stop them gathering ever again. What was allowed to last was on religious property. There, at the very tip of St Anne's Square, a metal sculpture of Jesus as a homeless man lying on a park bench was designed by Canadian artist Timothy Schmaltz and placed there in 2018. The piece, which was unveiled by a homeless man called Dave, is well worth looking at today. It still stands. And it really does remind you of what Archbishop Oscar Romero taught before fascists killed him in El Salvador in the 70s, that all humans deserve dignity. And Christ and his image is in the struggling human ignored on the streets every day. And thinking back on these memories, you really do get a sharp sense, even nearly a decade later, of what a disgraceful time it really was. The cruelty that market forces meted out on completely defenceless, unexpected people for little reason beyond financial gain and notorious Lib Dem commitment to destroying the welfare state is truly astounding. At a time, the scale of inhumanity was taken so personally by nearly everyone you spoke to, and yet outside of the trade union movement, there was so little political opposition to it. And even worse, when you think of how little these sorts of experiences figure in the political framework today, you think of how the perpetrators of these crimes mostly got away with it all, still doing great in multi-million paying jobs or high on the political ladder, and it really does make you want to brim with rage. So while Manchester was in the national eye, it's a particularly stark example of the crisis in homelessness, it was raging quietly elsewhere. At one point in 2017, it was estimated by Shelter that in the borough of Newham, East London, one in 25 of its people were registered as being homeless. In Luton, one in 52 were homeless, while in Birmingham, it was one in 88. In that year, Manchester sadly had the highest number of homeless deaths, with statistics suggesting that around 21 people died that year while out on the streets. So what is to be done? In reality, the government's heavy funding cuts had knocked back local councils. Regional politicians like Andy Burnham and Sadiq Khan pledged to put more effort into building social houses, with a significant chunk of Burnham's monthly mayoral wage going into homelessness charities. But the decade-long attack on the fundamentals of our social fabric is still continuing to have an effect that can't easily be rectified. This was explained to me perfectly by Lucy Furno. Lucy works for Crisis, a homelessness charity that the CWU have often teamed up with to fight various campaigns, initiatives around the issue of homelessness. We currently estimate, this just this Christmas alone, um, there'll be 200,000 uh, households in England alone that will be experiencing homelessness. And that that accounts for um, the, the broad scope of homelessness. So kind of what you what, what we all see on the street, which is rough sleeping, um, right through to people living in uh, Airbnbs or, uh, you know, in temporary housing and studios, which are completely unsuitable uh, to sofa surfing um, and uh, any any of this kind of like hidden homelessness, which is, is a phrase that you might have heard before. So, um, we support at crisis we support anyone that is experiencing homelessness or um, is at risk of homelessness obviously it's way uh, more cost effective and way less traumatic which is probably the most important thing uh, to uh, prevent homelessness to stop it happening um, because you know once you get into that cycle of um, becoming homeless like it's it, it can be incredibly hard to break out of it just because of the nature of it is so traumatizing in itself like many who throw their energies into combating the scourge of homelessness, Lucy's eager to explain to me how the underfunding and semi-collapse of public services has diminished our overall attempts to aid those in need of assistance. 
you know, when you withdraw support from councils um, and they have all of these services, the services don't end up speaking to each other. So, you know, homelessness is so much more than just not having a house. Um, it's about, you know, healthcare and um, childcare and also, you know, it's public institutions, prisons, uh, hospitals, so on and so forth. When those institutions don't speak to each other, people who are more vulnerable and more susceptible to homelessness just sit through the gaps. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, there's quite a, a tragic, um, uh, it's quite a tragic trend of people who access, uh, um, uh, who are in foster care and so on, um, ending up in, ho in, in um, homeless hostels, um, as, as soon as they leave uh, their childcare, they are basically without support completely. Um, so yeah, as soon as you kind of decimate not just the housing service, but there are cuts to uh, schools and education and healthcare, um, the ability to kind of like support people and, and make sure that no one's slipping through the net really, really kind of falls apart. This is an issue that Crisis particularly been hammering with their Home for All campaign, which tries to not only combat homelessness, but stopping it entirely from arising as a possibility in the first place. They fight for this situation by calling on the government to develop much deeper social solutions to avoid the same old problems arising generation after generation after generation. So, I mean, it's quite difficult because what we're currently, our demands are, well, we've just been uh, really, uh, just this morning, been uh, really delighted to hear that the government's putting loads of money into um vaccination uh, specifically for the homelessness community so 28 million pounds has just been announced which is um a really good start um we need we need a home for all um it, like just bringing people into uh, hotel accommodations whenever whenever there's a kind of public health emergency it's not sustainable it's not helpful it's difficult to manage it costs a lot of money um the best thing that the government could do to uh you know avoid having to kind of revert to this emergency situation is to tie up its policy making a little bit more um what would that look like in practice do you think well something that we kind of pivoted to and i've kind of just alluded to it before um uh in last uh last year was at crisis instead of instead of helping people when they were uh, they needed emergency support is making sure that people don't get into that position in the first place. So putting a bit more of a duty of care on local councils to ensure that people who are at the brink don't lose their home, whether or not that's, you know, helping to pay rent arrears or, um, you know, uh, just actually liaising with landlords and stuff like that. Um, it's so much more cost effective and so much more, um, it's so much more cost effective and it's so much more, uh, caring and like just like sympathetic to kind of take that approach rather than getting people to a point where they feel really at their lowest um and, and they'll potentially endanger you know the streets aren't safe um you know whether or not it's like bad weather or like threat of physical abuse um why wait till someone's there to help them now clearly this campaign is something most trade unionists most listeners would applaud it's about building a proper functioning society, one that allows for the contribution of everybody and looks after the welfare of all. But I also know many feel like that this sort of society has never felt further away from being accomplished than it does under a Boris Johnson government. Certainly, when I asked her, Lucy didn't sound optimistic about the Tories' election pledges to end rough sleeping by 2024 being realised anytime soon. But still, the fight goes on and nothing is the end. 
In the past few years, it seems like our country's taken repeated dramatic turns for the worse. And the more serious our problems get, the less likely our politicians want to sort them out. Like so many gross injustices we face out here on this island, the stark reality of homelessness is that it's something that can be solved should the powerful choose, but they don't. Every homeless person in the country was found a place during the beginning of the pandemic. That's a fact. Why can't that be indefinite? Or rather, why are the solutions always temporary and unusual instead of being dignified or long-term? But it's clear that even the shock beginning of the pandemic was enough to make Britain's rulers sit up before letting the same old problems for this country's people appear again. Too many people with too much power would rather turn their heads or sip wine and cheese with their rich mates than do a bit of serious work for a change. But that's not true for most of the people in this country. And up and down in communities across Britain, thousands of people step up and get stuck in where our rulers don't. I'm thinking of the football fans who go out there and collect tins of food and big coats in the harsh winter weather. The community groups who go out and dish out food to those in need. And indeed, our own members of this union who are involved in activities like that and are never, ever far as a body to offer a hand when it's needed. Let's hope that in this incoming new year, this sort of collective spirit can be turned into a broader force of collective action that can jolt the powerful into making the changes we all wish to see and to give so much more people a fairer chance at life. Now, I think Lucy and Crisis deserve the final word on this podcast, since they are the ones on the front line fighting so hard to overturn the crime of homelessness. So I'll leave you with their suggestion for what people can do to help at any time of the year. Thank you for listening. I suppose if any listener is kind of ever seeing someone um, that they think is vulnerable or experiencing homelessness, just um, our biggest piece of advice is obviously any kind of donations to crisis, very welcome. <laughs> but more than anything, um, just stopping to people and speaking, offering a kind word is is kind of the best thing that you can do. Um, just make connections with people in your community, like people who are experiencing homelessness are people as well. And, uh, you know, the more that we break down that stigma, the more we get talking to people and supporting each other in the community, the better. Thank you for listening to Affiliate, the CW podcast.